This is the Wikipedia page for Ellen and William Craft, Part 1. You're listening to the podcast where we read Wikipedia pages and provide commentary. Welcome to Wikilisten. I'm Victor Varnado, KSN. And I'm Rachel Teichman, LMSW. Ellen and William Craft, this is actually one of my favorite stories about uh, slavery escapes, I guess. <laughs> I, well, it's my... I mean, as far as slavery escapes go, this is the best story, I think, that's out there. Well, let's hear all about it. All right. Ellen and William Craft. Ellen Craft, 1826 to 1891, and William Craft, September 25th, 1824 to January 29th, 1900, were American fugitives who were born and enslaved in Macon, Georgia. They escaped to the North in December 1848 by traveling by train and steamboat, arriving in Philadelphia on Christmas Day. Ellen crossed the boundaries of race, class, gender, and physical ability by passing as a white male planter, with William posing as her personal servant. Their daring escape was widely publicized, making them among the most famous of fugitives from slavery. Abolitionists featured them in public lectures to gain support in the struggle to end the institution. As prominent fugitives, they were threatened by slave catchers in Boston after the passage of the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850, so the Crafts emigrated to England. They lived there for nearly two decades and raised five children. The Crafts lectured publicly about their escape and challenged the Confederacy during the American Civil War. In 1860, they published a written account, Running a Thousand Miles for Freedom, or The Escape of William and Ellen Craft from Slavery. One of the most compelling of the many slave narratives published before the American Civil War, their book reached wide audiences in the United Kingdom and the United States. After their return to the U.S. in 1868, the Crafts opened an agricultural school for freedmen's children in Georgia. They worked at the school and its farm until 1890. Their account was reprinted in the United States in 1999 with both the crafts credited as authors, and it is available online at Project Gutenberg and the University of Virginia. Early Life Ellen Craft was born in 1826 in Clinton, Georgia, to Maria, a mixed-race enslaved woman and her wealthy planter-enslaver, Major James Smith. At least three-quarters European by ancestry, Ellen was very fair-skinned and resembled her white half-siblings, who were her enslavers' legitimate children. Smith's wife gave the 11-year-old Ellen as a wedding gift to her daughter, Eliza Cromwell Smith, to get the girl out of the household and remove the evidence of her husband's infidelity. After Eliza Smith married Dr. Robert Collins, she took Ellen with her to live in the city of Macon, where they made their home. Ellen grew up as a house servant to Eliza, which gave her privileged access to information about the area. William was born in Macon, where he met his future wife at the age of 16 when his first enslaver sold him to settle gambling debts. Before he was sold, William witnessed his 14-year-old sister and each of his parents being separated by sales to different owners. William's new master apprenticed him as a carpenter and allowed him to work for fees, taking most of his earnings. Marriage and Family At the age of 20, Ellen married William Kraft, in whom her enslaver Collins held a half-interest. Kraft saved money from being hired out in town as a carpenter. 
Not wanting to have a family in slavery, during the Christmas season of 1848, the couple planned an escape. Eventually, they had five children who were born and raised during their nearly two decades living in England. The Crafts went there after the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850 was passed because they were in danger of being captured in Boston by bounty hunters. Their children were Charles Estlin Phillips, 1852 to 1938, William Ivins, 1855 to 1926, Broham H., 1857 to 1920, Ellen A. Craft, 1863 to 1917, and Alfred G., 1871 to 1939. When the Crafts returned to the United States after the American Civil War, three of their children went with them. Escape. Ellen planned to take advantage of her appearance to pass as white while the pair traveled by train and boat to the north. She dressed as a man since at the time it was not customary for a white woman to travel alone, let alone with an enslaved person. She also faked illness to limit conversation as she was prevented from learning to read and write with the threat of death because she was enslaved. William was to act as personal servant. During that time, enslaved people frequently accompanied their enslavers during travel, so the crafts did not expect to be questioned. To their surprise, they were detained, but only temporarily. An officer had demanded proof that William was indeed Ellen's property. They were finally let on the train due to sympathy from passengers and the conductor. Their escape is known as the most ingenious plot in fugitive slave history, even more ingenious than that of Henry Box Brown. I just want to point out that I did a lot of digging into this story and what happened when they were let on the train because of sympathy from the passengers. Basically, the conductor started to question them and and they were not going to let them get away with not signing anything. But the passengers were like, but that slave is so nice to his master. They're such like he's the best slave. And they because they thought he was such a good slave and they didn't realize he was being attentive to his wife, they uh, they all like stood up for him, like saying he's such a good slave. And that's how they got on the train. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> all right. During their escape, they traveled on first-class trains, stayed in the best hotels, and Ellen dined one evening with a steamboat captain. Ellen cut her hair and bought appropriate clothes to pass as a young man traveling in a jacket and trousers. William used his earnings as a cabinet maker to buy clothes for Ellen to appear as a white enslaver. William fixed her hair to add to her manly appearance. Ellen also practiced the correct gesture and behavior. She wore her right arm in a sling to hide the fact that she could not write. They traveled to nearby Macon for a train to Savannah. Although the crafts had several close calls along the way, they were successful in evading detection. On December 21st, they boarded a steamship for Philadelphia in the free state of Pennsylvania, where they arrived early on the morning of Christmas Day. Their innovation was in escaping as a pair, though it was Ellen's bravery and genius which meant their escape was successful. Historians have noted other enslaved women who posed as men to escape, such as Clarissa Davis of Virginia, who dressed as a man and took a New England-bound ship to freedom, Mary Milburn, who also sailed as a male passenger, and Maria Weems from the District of Columbia. As a young woman of 15, she dressed as a man and escaped. 
Soon after the craft's arrival in the North, abolitionists such as William Lord Garrison and William Wells Brown encouraged them to recount their escape in public lectures to abolitionist circles of New England. They moved to the well-established free black community on the north side of Beacon Hill in Boston, where they were married in a Christian ceremony. Ellen Craft posed in her escape clothes for a photograph, the basis for the engravement including with this article. It was widely distributed by abolitionists as part of their campaign against slavery. During the next two years, the Crafts made numerous public appearances to recount their escape and speak against slavery. Because society generally disapproved at the time of women speaking to public audiences of mixed gender, Ellen typically stood on the stage while William told their story. An article of April 27, 1849, in the abolitionist paper The Liberator, however, reported her speaking to an audience of 800 to 900 people in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Audiences were intensely curious about the young woman who had been so bold in the, in the escape. In 1850, Congress passed the Fugitive Slave Act, which increased penalties for aiding fugitive slaves and required residents and law enforcement of free states to cooperate in capturing and returning formerly enslaved people to their owners. The act provided for a reward to officers and simplified the process by which people might be certified as slaves, requiring little documentation from slave catchers. Commissioners appointed to hear such cases were paid more for ruling that a person was a slave than not. That's garbage. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's total garbage. Slavery is awful. And <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're right. It's garbage. <laughs> Slavery is terrible. A month after the new law was effective, Collins sent two bounty hunters to Boston to capture the crafts. William H. Hughes and John Knight traveled north from Macon, intending to capture William and Ellen Craft. Upon arriving in Boston, they were met with resistance by both white and black Bostonians. Abolitionists in Boston had formed the Biracial Boston Vigilance Committee to resist the new slave bill. Its members protected the Crafts by moving them around various safe houses, such as the Tappan Philbrick House in the nearby town of Brookline until they could leave the country. The two bounty hunters finally gave up and returned to the South. Collins even appealed to the president of the United States, Millard Fillmore, asking him to intervene so he could regain his property. The president agreed that the crafts should be returned to their enslavers in the South and authorize the use of military force, if necessary, to take them. Yikes. Wow. <laughs> yes, slavery is... Uh, terrible but their escape is amazing yes i mean this story is uh not over yet obviously uh we're going to talk about how they do eventually escape so if you're hanging on the edge of your seat just jump to uh the next episode because it uh it turns out okay this has been the wikipedia page for ellen and william craft part one and if you've got a wikipedia page you'd like us to read let us know Thanks for listening to Wikilisten. To support the show, go to patreon.com slash wikilistenpodcast and find us on social media at Wikilisten and at wikilisten.com. 